India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone this is the 10th of February 2021 a week after the union budget and the RBI policy that has passed us by a couple of days ago the whole thing is that ki bhaiya सबसे बड़ा रुपया दैट्स दी सेंटिमेंट दोज आर द वर्ड्स वेन यू रीच फिफ्टीन थाउजेंड निफ्टी एंड स्टिल फील बुलिश अबाउट द मार्केट्स नॉट अ डे गोज बाय विदाउट समबडी क्वेश्चनिंग मी ऑन द बुलिश थीसिस ऑन वेयर समथिंग इज गोइंग टू गो रॉन्ग रिमाइंडिंग मी दैट द डॉलर इज गोइंग टू गो अप एंड फ्लाई थ्रू एंड क्रैश एवरीथिंग और दैट कमोडिटी प्राइसिस हैव स्टार्टेड टू फॉल इवन वेन दे डू सो इंट्रा डे just like today for gold people are pointing out that prices are not holding up or that silver sold off when it did after the big short squeeze rumor spike but more than that even pointing out that you know the dollar actually went up along with equities last week and so now this is the trap and they're trapping everybody in believing that the correlation has broken and now when the dollar starts to fall equities will fall along with it any reason is being found to really f- plug holes into the entire idea that we are going through what is a massive reflation trade despite what the budget itself has done which is extend its spending plans into this year something that a lot of people were speaking about and asking the government to do 6 months ago in my june july podcast i made it very clear that the only reason they were not doing it is it would not have the required impact if they spent more money when everything was locked down it only made sense for them to do so after everything had opened up and when the monetary impact can be more direct on the economy that is what we are likely to see over the next year rbi stance in that environment is now one of keeping interest rates down or monetary policy easy they've made that amply clear because everybody was also speculating in the media when they pulled back on the uh, bond buying program or their you know operations on the 1 lakh 2 lakh crore of intervention that they had done that it meant that the rbi was moving towards tightening some also trying to read into the crr hikes as a tightening but the governors made it pretty clear that neither of them is a sign of tightening because they are being counteracted by other measures you can in fact simply look at the amount of dollar buying that they have done which is nothing but selling rupees or providing liquidity into the system through selling the currency while actually buying the dollars so these transactions and along with omos some of them already started today are going to be balancing out the liquidity impact of any of the opposite side actions that they'll take for example the crr hikes In fact even the government borrowing if it really was so impactful it would have driven bond yields right through the roof what you got is a small blip on the budget day and after that more or less the bond market has stabilized the big question really is then where are interest rates headed are they really headed up or are they really headed much lower than where we are right now as far as india is concerned i do see us interest rates spiking a little bit but note they are going up so slowly that if you take the entire last 2 years decline in interest rates we have barely retraced even 38% of that so the move up in us rates is so slow 
that it's nothing more than a risk on trade. It's just the slight exit of bonds into equities and the rest is being supported by the Fed's interventions, which is almost, I think, if I'm not wrong, $90 billion a month, something in that region that they are likely to continue buying into next year. So with all the liquidity impact from not just the interventions of central banks around the world, not just in the US, now in India as well, and spending by governments, which has become again a proactive plan of most governments, if not all, we are providing the strongest source of stimulus to financial markets than we have seen probably in many, many years. The direct impact of the fiscal policies are therefore going to be to drive some degree of growth along with some degree of inflation. And that combination of growth plus inflation is typically bullish for stocks. So that's that's something you need to take away irrespective of whether you like inflation, don't like inflation, don't like the higher rates. All that doesn't matter because this equation is usually good for stocks, whether you like it or not. Because it leads to higher pricing, which means your revenues go up, GDP goes up, debt to GDP comes down, and many other factors start to move the other way. Till the point where inflation takes off into a hyper inflation. And that can be a completely separate debate. Among people that I've spoken to, some don't believe that hyperinflation is even possible. Given that we've moved towards globalization, you have huge productivity advances happening because of technology, which means you're able to produce much more than you need. And so there's a balancing impact. And globalization ensures that wherever there are shortages, those imbalances, the arbitrage takes place where goods move from one place to the other freely. And the dollar liquidity for those purchases are provided by the Fed through swap lines or otherwise. And therefore, inflation of the type that would occur due to supply shortages eventually doesn't happen in a normalized scenario. It only happens if you have an unexpected lockdown. So having a out-of-place hyperinflation, which really shakes up the system, is not the general expectation of the people who believe in technology and globalization. But still, can it happen due to excessive monetary stimulus? Well, you can end up with higher rates of inflation than what we are really uh, gotten used to seeing. But what we don't know is with what lag that will actually occur. The CPI data today, I think it shows around 1.6% inflation for US, which is just below the 2% target. And the Fed has already stated that it's willing to deal with rates that are slightly higher than what we witnessed in the past which means they're going to let inflation fly, maybe to 2%, maybe even a little higher, till growth comes back and jobs come back, which is going to be their central focus. In places like India, currency management can also to some extent work in our favor, just like it did between 2003 and 2008. That was also a commodity cycle where prices went up meaningfully. In fact, they went up so much that eventually uh, these biggest spike came because of oil, when oil hit $135. And that was in the midst of the next bear market, the housing bubble bust, which was June of 2008, when we, in fact, had to actually raise Chidambaram, then finance minister, raised interest rates in the midst of that bear market to get control over inflation that was spiking up. But throughout the bull market phase 2003 to 2008, we had manageable inflation, even though it was picking up. Yields on bond yields did move up, but we never got a distorted scenario where the markets couldn't handle it. So we'll have to watch through this entire scenario rather than preempt it that, you know, things are going to blow up. We actually want to see how far inflation can move, whether we can manage bond deals. And I think in India, we have the scenario where if you actually allow the currency to strengthen after it's hit all the way to 69 and we've tried, we've been buying dollars relentlessly and moment we break that 72 half pointer, 
then you'll get a lot of bond flows which has been missing. So you've been getting FII flows, you have not been getting bond market flows because of the fear of the currency because that plays a large role in the net return that you can get through the bond differentials between two countries. And so once the fear that the INR can actually weaken goes away in the minds of bond market investors, they would actually start shuffling even bond market money into emerging markets apart from just equity flows and that could drive down bond yields in our case as well. When I look at the long-term bond yield chart, so I really wonder, I had the scenario, say, five years ago when people were thinking bond yields would go down because interest rates were being attempted to bring, you know, brought down by the RBI and actually took the opposite stance that it would not be easy because our debt levels were high. This is my view published all the way from, you know, 2013 to 2016, 17. And yields actually couldn't go even despite demonetization below 6% and then went right back to 8.5%. My view was they would go over 9, 9.5%. But uh, despite the ILFS fiasco, I think they stalled at 8.5% with RBI intervening, with the ILFS fiasco also being taken over by you know, private lenders, uh, the intervention of government and they ensured that you know that crisis doesn't go out of hand. Some of the risks remained, but now uh, post-2020, uh, uh, the main risk which remained which was uh, in equity has also played out so my sense that you know equity prices would decline and bond yields would rise what ended up happening between 2018 and 20s bond yields initially peaked and started to go down early equities continued to fall all the way into 2020 and only then bottomed out and now you have a scenario where yields are on the way down and equities are on the way up so you have you have that happening in india whereas in the us you will see yields going up and equities going up as well so you have a you have different scenarios because the currency behavior of the two places are also very very different in the us allocation moves between debt and equity and so the risk on trade is essentially an exit from debt and move into equity and as long as there's bond buying uh, you know by the fed that determines to what extent yields in the bond market can really move up so they are moving up but gradually in india you have a scenario where bond yields actually go down along with uh, equities going up simply because you have you know global bond flows that come into ems and you have a very very different scenario if bond yields started to spike then it would really hurt not just the corporate sector but also the currency along with it so these are two things that the rbi really needs to manage one is keeping yields uh, within a certain range and then eventually trying to push them down as and when inflation data drops which means just like you got recently the food inflation dropping off i think the rbi would have loved to really bring rates down but given the government's spending uh, and borrowing plans uh, they've probably held back for now but if they continue to see inflation stabilizing then uh, somewhere in the future they would actually consider lowering rates which is what their policy stance continues to be you know, and the bond yield charts also do indicate that the longer term trend could have turned from up to down after the peaking out that we saw in 2018. So it's a very interesting setup to have, uh, but I can continue to have the bond yield debate because in like in two, uh, 2018, I didn't think I thought they would go to, you know, 9.5. We peaked at 8.5. Is it possible that we don't go below uh, the levels that we are at five and a half five percent and we you know base out here and start heading higher that's something to watch out for it's happened once again during the previous 2003-2008 bull market that we are really comparing the current bull market with so if we actually see that happen the next thing to figure out will be whether it's happening in an environment of fairly good growth levels you know which we are trying to stimulate so if you get fairly good growth levels like you did during that previous bull market as well 
uh, from the stimulus and from the spending then the higher yields would be bearable which is what happened back then as well after 2005 yields started to go up and inflation started to you know slowly trail behind it and it didn't really bother you because growth levels were rather high so i think you're entering the same setup the market will bear that setup as long as there's no problem if the problem does result in you know inflation overshooting and then yields having or rates having to be hiked to simply get control of that situation then it would be a bad scenario for equity but till that till we reach that point and we are not at that point yet we are looking at a scenario where uh, you know equities continue to remain bullish and bond yields will remain either suppressed or maybe even head lower from here so that's i think my my take away of the entire scenario and the rbi remains positioned for it based on the statements that they've been making that they want to keep policy easy and uh, whatever steps they're taking back on the measures that they taken earlier they are really going to counterbalance it either with omos or other measures on the way so they are not really going to allow liquidity to get tight so in short what it all means is that we still continue to be in a bull market should you expect a deep correction that's the second fight that we that continues on social media on inter in interactions at what point do we complete a one five wave leg at least within a bull market so even the guys who want to be bullish say at least one leg and then a correction and then let's go on from here that sounds good but given all the rotation so this is me repeating what i've said before rotation from one sector to the next to the next psu is only bottoming in october banks bottoming in september whoever's bought at those levels and accumulated the, at those levels is not going to be selling right now so where are you going to get the selling from that's the big question you know because somebody's got to sell for you to get prices down and if you want somebody to sell the guys who bought it cheap are not going to sell it to you so that's not how it's going to work now unless everything had bottomed at the same time and then moved up and then they all needed to correct that would be one scenario but that's not what happened and so because it's happened rotationally the sheer rotation from sector to sector stock to stock is keeping the momentum of these indices going that's not the only reason the other is of course the fiscal steps us stimulating announcing another trillion dollar plan what happens after they complete this trillion dollar plan well they have another infrastructure spending plan in the pipeline which will follow that which will be another trillion or trillion and a half dollars so when you have these kind of measures flowing in one after the other what they are ensuring is that the downside keeps getting capped till the upside exhausts itself you know until all the negative sentiment really goes from negative to positive so do we really have extreme positive sentiment that's the next question to ask people say everybody is bullish and if i take macro data points it's actually missing in many places it's not there everywhere if i even look at say the futures premium something that i used to say that the market was too oversold or too overshorted because you had huge discounts in the nifty futures all the way through june july even after september at many points of time at points it did come back to positive but didn't sustain we saw that happen even between december and january uh, we actually had gone back to almost 20 30% premium but after this small little correction before the budget we are back to being flat not more than a 5 point premium in the uh, nifty futures that i saw even today it was flat to 5 points not going beyond 10 points and so you're back to not seeing that excessive sentiment in a simple thing like index futures premiums but if you simply look at the entire futures open interest that is there in the market on a relative basis so i want to just look at the standalone number which is also behind where you were in 2008 but on a relative basis so i compare it with an index you simply take the ratio of the total open interest stocks plus futures 
uh, index that is stocks plus index the entire market wide futures open interest divided by the index and look at it it had reached a certain level in 2008 came down after the crisis went back to that level only in 2018 just before or around where the broad market topped out and the mid cap index fell almost 50 to 60% from there so exactly at that point you'd reach the same level again on the relative futures open interest position these charts have published on india chart so those who are interested can actually go and look at them under the long shot strategy update section uh, even in the long shot uh, long shot reports i do publish them sometimes but the last two reports were so intensively on the market view that i only published the sentiment charts separately later on but you'll find them there and recently i did that just before the budget to highlight that we have really not reached the long term end point even if you get a short term to medium term corrective phase and so the futures open interest doesn't show it we are not even halfway through back to where we were in 2018 on a relative futures basis the place where you're seeing the big numbers are probably just the call open interest so everybody is highlighting that you know there's too much trading in options market and so this is becoming a bubble you know and this is happening in the us you could say that even for india i haven't seen anybody highlight that the total call open interest hit an all time high in january of 2020 you know and still here we are back at a new all time high what i want to highlight is that call open interest data on a 20 year basis since the data became available in 2001 has always been making new all time highs you know in every cycle it moves to an all time high so is every all time high a top in the market the answer is no so it's not happened that way in fact many times the data goes to an all time high after a bear market so bear market happens and then when the when the market turns bullish the entire data set shifts to a new range this is something that we've seen repeatedly we've seen it in 2004 5 we've seen it in 2010 and now we are seeing it in 2020 so that cannot be become a reason for you to say that you are over bullish the futures open interest i think gives you a greater picture where large number of people participate hold on to a position let it ride and the value of those positions goes up when they get comfortable they buy more and when they buy so much that they, that it's equivalent to the index at the top then that relative data can actually give you an indication that yes you're somewhere close to an all time high reading and we are not even halfway back to the 2018 levels another thing that we note is mutual fund flows 2018 you had record mutual fund flows the highest ever in the history of india and uh, everybody will never forget mutual fund sahi hai the tagline that went along with it and we actually seeing mutual fund outflows for the last couple of months you know so they they sort of negative and not really gone back to full positive so there too you're not seeing extreme bullish sentiment showing up in terms of participation of by retail investors trying to get into the market definitely if they've burned themselves in mutual funds they may be trying to get back through direct market so that's also a cycle we saw people get burned in the 1990s they came back uh, into direct markets in uh, after 2003 then they went from futures to options uh, and then uh, a lot of them went into mutual funds they didn't want to participate through futures and then once again we may be seeing a shift back into direct equity which is uh, clearly visible in the number of accounts that are opening up uh, across the board with brokers and you know with the nsdl and so that's that participation uh, is not necessary a sign that you've reached an extreme it's just a shift in behavioral pattern and to see that they are at an extreme you'll have to look at not just flows like i said the futures open interest data you could also look at things like the fii positioning fii is historically 
have often reached an extreme in bullish positioning or bearish positioning near a market high or low for example they had the largest short position in index futures ever in india in march of 2020 even though that position was in the early part of march and the market crashed uh, by the end of the month that position started to reverse and then eventually so did the markets when was the last time that fis had a huge long position it was somewhere in 2016 before demonetization after that they've typically not had a position more than 50000 contracts so that time the peak was around 3 lakh contracts okay and we'd gone to 2 lakh contracts many times at many tops prior to 2016 but after 2018 somehow we never went back to that level we've seen max we saw 1 lakh 26000 before the uh, election that is the 2019 election Uh, and after that or before that also we we remained below say 100000 contracts on most times in fact 50000 to 70000 was where most of the market tops ended up happening including last year at jan of 2020 so uh, that similar reading we've again and again seen this year though i do sense that we are gradually seeing a slight increase or improvement in that picture so it was 50000 then it dropped and went to 60 70000 dropped it reached 90000 contracts Uh, earlier uh, just i think in jan uh, and then again we dropped from there and then again we are slowly building back so i think there is that shift happening but they have not gone all out bullish in index futures okay so you're not gone back to 100000 or 200000 contracts yet now again some people will argue well positions may have moved to singapore and so on and so forth the opposite side of the fia data is the client data okay so the client data is all the other participants in the market and if the fia data is not going to an extreme the client data would go to the other extreme which means they would have gone all out short like they had done many times at previous tops that have occurred in 18 19 17 16 all of them you have seen the client side go to an extreme short as the markets rallied against them into the highs again not happening so a lot of these data points don't really add up to telling us that we've reached an extreme sentiment point where everybody is trying to short the market or go long the market one side or the other we're not seeing the futures positioning go to a record level we're not seeing mutual fund flows come back to where they were and still uh, there's the un cry about the market reaching a major top so uh, so that's probably not are uh, not happening my sense remains you are in a bull market in fact you need to be prepared for the idea that you can get extensions without major corrections something that people have not seen or simply are not desiring but that's what uh, is happening because uh, one by one uh, every sector has now started to participate in what is looking like a far more broad based bull market than we really witnessed between 2010 and 2018 that in fact would not be it was just a uh, you know sector specific bull run that occurred mostly in defensives and in the bfsi space you know so on a relative basis when i plot a chart of say the inflation adjusted sensex it actually went down between 2008 and 2020 you know similar to what happened between say 1992 to 2000 so that entire period the inflation adjusted sensex went down from 2003 to 2008 it went to all time highs then again it's been down for almost a decade and now it's skyrocketing one way up because the market has gone that way and so the markets are reflecting that they are in a mood to actually start beating inflation and possibly inflation creeps up from behind but it's going to be a fight you know so the so the inflation will really have to beat the market at its own game if it wants to bring down the market otherwise the market's going to run ahead and try to beat inflation so that's the interesting fight and the best way to watch that fight is look at an inflation adjusted index data point and that would really tell you who's winning or who's losing So if you're starting to read narratives about this is a crack up boom this is a melt up 
and this is ex exactly what is happening because a lot of people who are not participating or who are trying to find flaws with the market's current levels based on either valuations or other theoretics or trying to look at things like the dollar that they don't understand are all going to eventually have to change their views and only after that are you really going to get a major peak in financial markets or in specifically in equity markets till that point of time i think what you're looking at is uh, people simply standing against uh, the market and doubting it which is uh, not exactly what you should be doing because after a many many uh, many many years i should say in a very long time you have what is a very very broad based bull run that you should actually be participating in in fact if you call it a bubble bubbles build bubbles grow bubbles expand and uh, all the money that is made in bubbles is by participating before it blows up if you every day spend your time thinking about when it's going to blow up then you're really not going to participate how do you call when it's going to end well you look at the key factors we all know the key factors we know there's the dollar we know there are interest rates we know there's inflation we are tracking them all the time but you cannot worry about them changing trend in fact watch what are the key trend indicators look for them to turn uh, if you're if you're not an expert at Elliott wave analysis which is the best way to really know when five waves complete in something that it ends then we are really not at the end of a five wave decline in the dollar index to really say that it's ended and for that you follow our Elliott wave updates every day on the india charts app so is gamestop really a sign of a market bubble gamestop is one event when i think about events like that again it tells you about psychology what happened during the y2k bubble was it one stock that really uh, was getting overpriced no the entire dot-com space ipo after ipo of companies that were trying to participate in the dot-com bubble were coming out without earnings without revenues and getting overpriced when you have wide scale participation by investors okay and you have multiple events which make completely no sense that is the sign of a bubble going out of control one gamestop does not make up for a bubble if you had one year of 10 such short squeezes then definitely you could have said that yeah this is this is now really gone to a level where uh, you know it's so widespread that everybody's participating and squeezing everybody out and you have really reached the end game we are not there yet we are not seeing uh, you know wide scale events of something we are only seeing individual events one here one there and it is being read into a bubble what what you really want is something to happen at scale you want to want want everybody to be doing the same thing everybody to be start believing to give you an indian example if i go back to the harshad mehta bubble and we can call that a bubble it started with harshad mehta actually buying sick companies and trying to turn them around for those who remember the story or those who've never been around should know the story and so he started buying some of these sick companies and moment he would buy them he turned one, i think one of them showed a turnaround people started to believe that every sick company would turn around Re rumors got afloat that this is the next sick company that he's going to buy and turn around he probably bought a few but not all of them and then every company which was sick and sick means those which are going through financial reconstruction which are insolvent which had been referred to the then bfr and today you have of course a another institute which is the bankruptcy code new institutions to really find your way out but back then that was the bfr so companies that had been referred there lying sick not doing any business were really being bought by investors across the board in the last mile and uh, you know being driven up so and by driven up what i mean is they were going up fivefold to sixfold you know so that's the kind of uh, craziness that that was really happening 
and having seen it so i'm really really not talking from some readings i actually seen it happen my father had a company which was ipsp cement he really had no idea why he had it he probably got it in an ipo and the stock went from 5 rupees to 60 rupees in the last 3 months of the harshad mehta bubble so that's that's how crazy it was and we are not really seeing those kind of outsized events across the board spread across and everybody trying to chase that which is what you really see in a bubble you're probably seeing a uh, small one time events which are you know signs of something happening towards towards a bubbly phase but not really the end game so this is really the time to you know set your expectations right because two days before the budget people had their expectations so wrong that and i mentioned it in my last last podcast so i'm not just talking out of the hat i said it's bizarre that people expect at the end of a pandemic that the government is going to come and raise taxes on everybody i mean like that makes any sense looking at around the world what is really going on and how those expectations got set whether there were rumors to bring down the market before what was going to be a positive event you can come up with conspiracy theories and so on but whatever the case be if you didn't think about it rightly you had your expectations set wrong not really understanding what the environment you were really in you know so so you need to come out of that mindset understand that all the actions that are taking place right now are going to have such a strong positive rub off effect on the economy in the next 12 months and that's going to be the focus of markets the numbers that will result 12 months down the line 18 months down the line so let's not waste time on conspiracy theories and let's focus on what is really happening and take it from there else you'll simply miss out on what's going to be one of the biggest opportunities it's already been i mean for people who are participating here it's already been a huge opportunity over the last one year to really have you know made money from a one sided bull run and it's not over that's i think the clear message that i wanted to give out and that's all from me for today thank you Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.